Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Today's show is about the tremendous documentary called What's With Wheat. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Cindy O'Meara. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Cindy O'Meara is a nutritionist, a filmmaker. She actually made the documentary What's With Wheat. She's a best-selling author, international speaker, and founder of Changing Habits. Cindy graduated with a bachelor's in nutrition. Her special interest was ancestral foods. After graduating, she became disillusioned by the global standard nutritional guidelines that she paved her own path. Cindy started changing habits in 1990 from her regular newspaper column on nutrition. Her groundbreaking book, Changing Habits, Changing Lives, became an instant bestseller. And from there, she's grown a successful organic food company, certified certified online education program, a groundbreaking documentary, which we're going to talk about today, and is currently building a 60-acre organic food bowl, which will be used as an education center for sustainable farming practices. Cindy, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. I'm honored, Dr. Carey, to be on your show. Wow, 60-acre organic food bowl. That sounds like quite the, the feat. Yes, it is. It is, considering that it was an old dairy farm and they had used chemicals on it. Um, so we let it rest for 12 months and now we're planting, we're fertilizing with holistic management, which is animals, and we're, um, so we use cows, chickens, pigs, ducks, and we're planting food-bearing trees. So at the moment we've planted 480 of them and we, and that's just the top 20 acres. We've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you like to keep busy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to say uh, thank you so much for making this documentary, What's With Wheat. It is just phenomenal. I learned so much. I already thought I knew a lot about wheat, but I was wrong. I learned even more. Well, that's good because that's what it's all about. It's about <laughs> educating the public and, and professionals as well. So I'm glad to hear that. So, you know, in the documentary, you you really explain in detail, you know, what what has gone wrong with wheat, you know, and I thought it was just the gluten part of wheat, the hybridization of wheat over the years, but there's so many different layers to this story. Now, I know we're not going to be able to get into all of it in our interview here today. Um, So, like, I really urge the listeners out there to watch the documentary, but... We're, we're going to talk about some of the, the key points that we can today. And, and you have such great um, experts 
in your documentary, you, you, you interviewed Dr. Terry Walls, Dr. David Perlmutter, Sarah Ballantyne, Sayer G, on and on and on it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, what happened was that I, um, I, I've been a nutritionist, you know, and in the nutrition world for 37 years. And I eat really well. I eat everything from scratch. I make all, I used to make all my own breads. Um, my children were brought up the same way. And considering that my children have were brought up, and they're in their 20s now, by the way. They're healthy adults. But they were brought up without one antibiotic, without any painkillers. They were brought under, uh, up under chiropractic care. And I thought I was doing the right thing. So it came as a bit of a surprise to me that around the age of 45 and heading towards my 50s, I started to get niggling problems that just started getting worse and worse. And um, being a nutritionist, you know, you go straight to food. And so I did an elimination protocol. And then it felt amazing, by the way, after that protocol. Lost about 20 pounds in weight in three weeks never to put it back on again. I, I was getting like migraines and back aches and hip aches and all of these problems just disappeared in three weeks. Then um, when I started to introduce foods back again, on the 10th day I introduced wheat and all of those issues came back again. And so I mused what is wrong with wheat considering my understanding of grain and how it played a role in evolution and how it played a role in our cultures. And, um, and it was those people that you have just named that I went to to learn, about, you know, to learn. And so, of course, it was those people that I wanted to interview. But it was interesting as I interviewed them, I learned more about their current knowledge. And so the film morphed as I learned more. So that's what you saw. And I could, I could actually... Um, with more information that I've learned now, um, could add more to that um, that film with regards to what we know about what's happening to wheat and especially farming practices. That's what's really scary is the farming practices. So for the listeners out there, Cindy started at a very logical place with her health, not not just thinking like, oh, I'm getting older because that's that's what patients hear from their doctors. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have these aches and pains? You have headaches? Well, you're getting older. What do you expect? <laughs> and, and honestly, Cindy, I had a new patient in my office last week, 27 years old. And her doctor is telling her it's because she's getting older. And I said, you know, it would be so much nicer if your doctor just said, I don't know, instead of you're getting older. It's like silliness. So you started at a, a very logical place doing an, an elimination diet. And, and oftentimes I recommend for my patients, like just with wheat, just like, no wheat or gluten for 30 days. Do that 100%. Like if you're not ready to do a full-on elimination diet. And then on day 31, go crazy on wheat and see how you feel. And a lot <laughs> of them feel like crap, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, they get to realize it. They, they realize that, you know, a, f a food uh, is something that can completely change the way you're feeling. And, and because our medical profession doesn't do any study on nutrition and sees no link in nutrition, of course they're not going to suggest food. They're going to go straight to, well, you've got this pain, take this medication, because that's what they're taught. So we're seeing a new paradigm happen, which is very exciting. And, yeah, I'm 27, that's, you're a baby at 27. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So in your documentary, uh, you talk a lot about how wheat has changed over the years. You know, as we've gone through the um, Industrial Revolution, learning about, you know, modern chemistry and it's, you know, quote, making our lives so much better. And uh, how we've gone from using grains and wheat in a very natural way. Mm. Um, it was the, the president of the uh, Weston Price Foundation. I forget her name. But, but she specifically said, you know, before we had all of this modernization, we used grains and we would ferment them first before using them. And that, and that you know, we, we could digest and absorb them. And then yeah. we went through this whole industrial revolution and wheat has changed in so many ways. So can you talk about some of those changes that have happened? Because that's really then where the, the issues have started with wheat. Yeah. I, look, I think this is a really important point. And Dr. Sally Fallon, who's head of Western Price, um, makes that point. But I'd like to go over and beyond what Dr. Sally talked about. So there are many foods that um, are out in, you know, the modern or the natural world, I should say, that could have certain anti-nutrients in it. And and wheat is an inherently inflammatory food. And so we've always known through cultures and, tr- and our traditions that this is the way we prepare this food in order to eat it so that it doesn't cause any, you know, health issues. So I'd like to take you to my country, which is Australia. We have um, Aboriginal people that live there. And these people have lived on on the Australian continent, they believe, for about 110,000 years. They have used grain for at least 65,000 years. And the grain that they've used, let's just take one, for instance, it's called nardu. Nardu, when you, you take it raw and you continue to take it raw, it will stop your B utilization and absorption, which means you will die of a vitamin B deficiency. It will be a slow... Uh, you know, death, but you will die of it. If you prepare this grain properly, and that is by soaking it, washing it, and cooking it, it releases the anti-nutrient and it becomes a sustainable product that you can eat um, and not have any problems with B deficiencies. So we know that we have done this for thousands and thousands of years, but what's happened is that we have thrown all of our knowledge of culture and traditions from, you know, fermenting foods to bone broths to um, the, the specific way that we should use and cook our grains. Um, and what we've done is that we've created this food that is in everything. Um, and it can be in the way of wheat or it could be as a glucose syrup because glucose syrup is made of it. It could be in our vitamins and minerals because um, they have them as excipients or... I don't know if people know this, but ascorbic acid's origin is wheat. So it goes from wheat to glucose syrup and then it's fermented um, by genetically modified bacteria to make our ascorbic acid. So we have wheat as a part of our medications. <laughs> you know, it's, it's cosmetics, it's hair care, it's makeup, uh, you know, personal care products. So it is in many things that we're using and many foods that we're consuming. And so our body is dealing with this food that hasn't been uh, properly, uh, you know, cooked or fermented or in any way, shape or form made into a form that our body will be able to eat without it being an inflammatory food. And that worldwide, we overproduce wheat. Well, definitely. Like Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride talks about 
that in the, um, the film. She says that, you know, one year we made enough food to feed 11 billion people. So when you look at that, well, there's not that much, that many people on the population. So, you know, they're going to have to use it for other things or they're going to have to store it. And if they store it, then they're going to have to put a chemical in it to keep weevil out or to stop it going um, to being spoiled. So, you know, there's many ramifications of us overproducing wheat. Um, not only is are we, you know, had it as a food, but also in the in the storage realm, it's it's going to have to have chemicals on. And again, as you said, that we we don't eat wheat in a way that would be really considered natural. And and in your documentary, you talk about how um, how you how they take the wheat and then they strip it, you know, of the the bran and whatnot. And then we have mm-hmm. to add the nutrients in, and that's why you know you look at your cereal carton. You stare at your cereal box when you're eating your cereal and you read the ingredients label and you see all of the additives in there, the added vitamins and minerals. But, you know, where do they get those nutrients? And, and I think this is a really important issue is that they take the germ out, which has got all the beautiful oils and all wonderful vitamins. And even fiber has some nutrients in it. It's not just fiber. It has nutrients in it. And we're left with, you know, just that flour. And, of course, in the 1930s, they indicated that there was some vitamin B deficiencies. Of course, they've taken the germ and the bran out. So, of course, there's going to be some vitamin B deficiencies. So we added vitamin Bs back into it as well as some minerals. But I think one of the most worrying vitamins that they've added into it of recent is vitamin uh, is a B vitamin called folic acid. So folic acid is a synthetic form of um, folate. And if we can't convert folic acid into folate or into methylfolate, then what will happen is that that just kind of runs rogue in our body. And there are some people out there that have alleles or mutations that do not allow that conversion and if you don't have that conversion there's now new information out there that it may be contributing to the increase um, that we're seeing in tongue tying and lip tying so folic acid if if you if you have the nthfr gene and i'm sure your listeners have heard of it you've no doubt done some information on this then um, you can't convert that folic acid and there's no point in taking it. There's, you, you have to take it in leafy green vegetables. That's what folate stands for is foliage. It's in foliage. It's in green leafy vegetables. And I, I, we need to be very careful about these synthetic vitamins and these are mined minerals as well. So the mined minerals might be, let's say, iron. So if you put your wheat into a plastic bag with some water mix it up and get a a magnet and put it on the outside of the plastic bag, sometimes you can draw out iron filings onto that magnet. So, um, you know, we don't lick iron or lick our cars for nutrition. So why would we put that into um, our food supply? So that's another thing that's happened. And then in another part of the documentary, you talk talk about, or you you have one of your experts talk about um, Ansel Keys. And, yes, and his research. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of rocked the whole world of diet and nutrition? Yeah, Ansel Keys was the beginning of the low-fat movement. So he was somebody who indicated that um, through epidemiological studies and association studies that fat caused heart disease. But the thing with Ansel Keys is that he did uh, do about 20 to countries around the world. He did go to them and he did epidemiological studies, but not every country 
worked within his guidelines. And so he cherry-picked his countries down to seven and showed how fat caused heart disease. And so that then changed everything. And Sally Fallon talks about that in the documentary. She says, we used to have bacon and eggs. And what we didn't put in the documentary, but what when I interviewed her, she said, we used to have supplies for our um, our soldiers of of fats as opposed to carbohydrates. But when Ansel Keys came into the picture and the Heart Foundation decided that, you know, Ansel Keys is right, let's get everybody doing low fat. Um, and, and that's where we went to with all of our dietary guidelines. Um, then even our um, soldiers started to get carbohydrate-laden foods as opposed to fat-laden foods in order to survive when they were out um, during wartime or out on, um, you know, when they're out, out in the field. So he changed everything. And so everything changed from us eating lard and those beautiful um, fats and, on, you know, not that we ate them continuously, but they were a part of our diet. And so we went from that to eating carbohydrate-laden foods. And then, of course, with Kellogg's, we started to eat breakfast cereals because he was the beginning of breakfast cereals. And now, uh, you know, the statistics tell us that 97% of people in America have breakfast cereals sitting in their pantry. Uh, and it is a food that uh, I, I have taken off my list, or it's never been on my list of foods that we should eat, but it's definitely a food that when I, I talk to people, I say, okay, let's look at breakfast cereals. Let's look at the way they're made. Do you continue, you know, do you want to eat them now that you're educated about them? Let's look at an alternative and let's bring back proteins and fats into our breakfast. And as you said, when Ansel Keys did his research, he was actually cherry picking uh, the countries that was able to prove his research. And he was not adding the countries um, where his research did not bear out. So so in, in the end, when he's saying like a low fat diet is healthy for us, it, it's actually a very false statement and and new research new research new researchers uh now i'm getting tongue tied uh, go back and look over ansel keys's research and and say it's not that the fat is bad it's that it's the sugar that's mm. bad and then that brings us really right back to weed and carbohydrates yeah it, it does and you know there were books that came out like the french paradox uh of uh, what is it? French women don't get fat, yet yes, they eat yeah. fat. So these books were starting to come out back in the 90s, I think it was, when I first started to see these books. So we were, we were seeing rumblings of there's something wrong with this information that we've been given by our dietary guidelines. You know, Ansel Keys became forgotten and it became part of the dietary guidelines. So, yeah, and now and now we're looking at carbohydrates or sugar. But I think once again we have to be very careful there it seems that it's all or nothing so we started that with salt so um, salt caused hypertension then it went to fat and now we're going to sugar and so everybody's now going to oh, sugar's bad carbohydrates are bad fruits bad and I think we we have to you know not go all or nothing we have to look at exactly what is bad and and when we look at that, we see it's refined foods. It's 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 also bad fats. You know, bad fats are man-made fats, manipulated fats. Um, salt is refined salt. It's about going back to uh, foods that we've always eaten, our ancestral foods. 
but not just saying there are food groups that are bad, but maybe it's the way that we we cook them, the way we use them, how much we eat and the quality of that food. And so we have to be very careful when we we start looking at epidemiological studies and association studies as to exactly you know, what are the right foods for us. And, and in the end, sometimes it's an individual thing. And when we do an elimination protocol, we start to learn the foods that are, are good for us and not good for us. But if we eliminate and we see many foods that are bad for us, then we know that we have gut issues and then we need to look at the gut and heal the gut and, and make sure, you know, that is working for us so that we can start to eat more and more food. So then it becomes um, different than just taking weed out of the diet. Um, but for many people, just taking weed out of the diet, it changes everything for them. But for some people, they take weed out of the diet, but they're still seeing problems. And that's when we start to look at other um, modalities in order to get them well. So before we kind of go down the road of leaky gut, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about, <laughs> um, let, let's go back again and talk about like why, why has wheat gotten so bad? And part mm. of it also are the chemicals that are being used on our um, foods these days and uh, particularly uh, the pesticide Roundup, also yes. known as glyphosate. And in your documentary, I learned the shikimate pathway and I was like blown away okay so tell tell us about that oh yeah this is you know this is where I think the straw that break broke the camel's back so all of these things were happening you know the refinement of the grain not preparing it properly the hybridization of the grain all of that was happening and I was brought up in the 60s and 70s wheat didn't seem to be an issue despite when we look at the, the farming practices um, that began back in about 1938-39 where we added arsenic and lead to the corn and wheat fields here in the Midwest. I'm actually in the Midwest at the moment. I'm in Cedar Rapids at Dr. Terry Wall's conference. But, um, it, you know, arsenic and lead was sprayed due to a locust plague in 1938-39 and, and then DDT was sprayed on the wheat and corn fields from 1945 to 55. And then there were other chemicals that were being sprayed. So our agricultural practices deem that there are 10 chemicals that we can use on wheat from before they're planted right through to being in the silo, which we've already talked about, where it's stored. I believe the straw that broke the camel's back was 1998 um, and onwards. We started to use... Uh, glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup, um, it, on um, our fields of non-genetically modified foods. So we would use them as a drying agent. And wheat was one of those um, fields that was dry, dr like dried. And it's dried about three weeks before harvest. So they spray Roundup on it in order to dry it, to desiccate it, as they say, so that the harvest is easier, there's more grain, it's a higher yield. But when when we looked at association studies, and Dr. Stephanie Seneff did this at MIT, we noticed as the introduction of this practice and the more Roundup that was used that we increased the amount of people with celiac disease. So that curve almost matched the increase in glyphosate use. So we have celiac disease, wheat allergies, non-celiac gluten sensitivities, fructose malabsorption, autoimmune disease and then there were lots of other diseases that also seemed to increase with that curve. So Dr. Stephanie Seneff isn't just about association. She started to look at, well, what's causing it? So glyphosate has four patents on it. It's a chelating agent, a herbicide, a micro um, 
like a, a micro antimicrobial and antiparasitic and a biocide. They're the four the patents that are on it. So when she looked at how they did this, um, it was through a pathway called the shikimate pathway. And the shikimate pathway affects plants and bacteria. And by affecting plants and bacteria, um, what it does is it stops them producing aromatic amino acids. So aromatic amino acids would help those bacteria and those plants survive. And they said, well, human cells do not have the shikimate pathway, therefore it's totally safe for humans. It doesn't affect us in any way. But how it affects us is in two ways. One, it affects the bacteria in the ecology of the soil, killing that bacteria in the ecology of the soil, which means that minerals can't be brought up by the plant, which means the plant isn't healthy for us for one thing. But as we eat that plant that's filled with this chelating agent and this antimicrobial or biocide, it then affects the bacteria in our gut, which stops them making our aromatic amino acids. And those aromatic amino acids are precursors to our neurotransmitters. 90% of our neurotransmitters are made in the gut. If those aromatic amino acids like tryptophan, tyrosine and phenylalanine are not there, then we're not going to make neurotransmitters. We're now seeing an increase in multiple sclerosis, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, um, nervous system problems, mental disorders such as you know, depression, anxiety, psychosis, OCD, um, schizophrenia. So we're actually seeing an increase in these diseases because we don't have the bacteria in order to make the precursors for that. By killing those bacteria, we also don't have bacteria that make our vitamin K. Um, and many babies are now um, given vitamin K because of an increase in hemorrhagic disease. Perhaps it's not, um, you know, looking at hemorrhagic disease, but looking at, well, why have we got this disease? We also are not making our vitamin Bs. We're not digesting foods. Our immune systems are breaking down. We have more autoimmune diseases, allergies, asthma, atopic eczema. These are all things that are increasing. And Dr. Stephanie Seneff says it's going back to our biochemistry and the, the destruction of our microbiome that is actually doing this knock-on effect that we're now seeing in all these diseases. So she actually doesn't just make an association. She goes right down to the shikimate pathway and, and other things that come off that shikimate pathway, which, you know, we don't go into in the, in the documentary, but uh, it's, it's quite amazing what comes off the shikimate pathway as well as those aromatic amino acids. So they use Roundup or glyphosate on the wheat to dry it faster for harvesting. Yep. That affects the plant and bacteria, but not humans. But it affects the bacteria in the humans, thereby mm -hmm. affecting the humans. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. And, and really, there needs to be... Um, uh, I believe that uh, we need as individuals. So most of our councils will use it for herbs, uh, for sorry, for as a herbicide. Um, so you'll see them spraying something. And I believe as individuals, we need to start attacking our councils and saying, hey, do you have this information? Is there something else we can do apart from using this? Because then it's also sprayed on our, our sports grounds, our playgrounds. So our kids are rolling in it. They're running around in bare feet in it. Um, they may fall on the, the, the sports ground and be, you know, and have this Roundup or this glyphosate touching them. 
and therefore killing their skin bacteria. So there's there's many ramifications to this and I hope people listening to this and there, there's some ferocious mothers out there that have said, that say, no more, we're not going to put up with this anymore. And, um, you know, moms across America are a group of women that um, are changing this and, and wanting councils and people to be aware of it. And the more people are aware of it, the more this will change. Yeah, because, it, you know, when I'm watching your documentary, it's just like you learn all of this information and you just think this is insanity. And, yeah. why, and why is this being allowed to happen? And why isn't it stopping? And on and on and on, you know, so many questions. Yeah, and, you know, we're just repeating history. Look at DDT, 1945 to 1955. It was, it was sprayed and it was, it's a neurotoxin and it's been banned in the U.S., but for some reason it's allowed to be used in, you know, other places around the world. Um, look, I look at it this way is that my mom um, was from Iowa and she was, she, uh, you know, had arsenic and lead sprayed right after her birth, DDT sprayed for a decade through her teenage years. My sister was born three years after DDT in, in Iowa, um, after it was stopped being used and she was never well. And my mum was sick that first three months, she couldn't eat and I'm sure she used the fat cells that she had you know, accumulated throughout her life that probably had arsenic and lead as well as DDT and other chemicals have been sprayed near her because she was a corn farmer's, you know, daughter. So my sister was never well. She uh, had gastrointestinal problems by the age of 16. At 24, she was diagnosed with Crest disease, which is an acronym for five autoimmune diseases and passed away at an early age. Uh, my brother and my sister were born soon after her and, I, and you know, we've been very fortunate because she took all of those toxins, I, I believe, from my mom. You know, that's the only thing that I can think. Why was she sick and my brother and I were okay? Um, so we're just repeating history, Dr. Carey. That's what we're doing and it's about time we just kind of realise this and um, we we just make a change and we stop eating foods that, have had any association with uh, Roundup or any chem chemicals. We've become more active about the foods that we produce and go to our farmers and find, you know, better forms of food or better or foods that have been farmed properly without these use of chemicals. Yeah, so let's now kind of shift gears and talk about some actionable steps yes. that we can all start taking to improve our uh, diets, improve our health, and... Um, very oftentimes I hear from, you know, from patients when, I, and when we go down this pathway of, you know, starting the conversation about wheat and gluten and grains, <clears throat> very oftentimes they say, oh my God, but wheat's in everything. Like, what the heck am I going to eat? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so where do you think people should start? Well, let me tell you where not to start, and that's at gluten-free packaged foods. <laughs> oh, yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of people go, well, if I can't have that bread, then I'll go to the gluten-free bread or the gluten-free pasta or the gluten-free cakes or the gluten-free cookies. But many of them have many additives and preservatives and, and flavorings and, and also um, may have um, different types of grains or legumes that are not necessarily prepared properly. So, I've, look, if you're in crisis, 
I believe you need to change everything and you need to be strict about what you're doing. But if you're not in crisis, let's look at changing things step by step. Let's just look at taking that weed out of the diet and let's look at breakfast first and how can we change our breakfast and what can we eat? So I I do have a program um, that's called the six-week no wheat program and we give you a whole bunch of recipes of different breakfasts but even traveling i'm able to do this very well so i may go to um, a restaurant and there'll be um, the croissants and the the breads and all things like that or i might see there's eggs on toast so i will say well can i have eggs with salad um or I, I might have an omelette, you know, with lots of yummy foods within that omelette. So I might have ask for onion and garlic and tomatoes and red pepper. And and that's enough to um, fill you up. You, you actually don't get hungry. And what will happen is that your body will not want food at morning tea, which is usually a cracker or a cookie or a muffin. <laughs> you won't want that because you've fed your body such a nutritious beginning. So... You start with breakfast uh, and then then you look at lunch and you, you say, well, normally I have a sandwich for lunch or I might have a bagel for lunch. So then you look at different lunches that you can have and often what I'll do is for my lunch, I'll take takeaway. I'll take takeaway. I'll take my leftovers to work um, for my lunch and then you get home at dinner and instead of having pasta, you look at, a, at different types of forms of protein from fish to chicken to red meat um, and have vegetables with that or a salad with that. So slowly but surely you start to eliminate um, wheat from the diet and, and the program helps give you ideas of what to do. But it's about getting back into the kitchen to nourish our family in order to heal a nation. And we've taken ourselves out of the kitchen and I know we are busy but if you have a priority to nourish your family and yourself, then you will find a way and you will become organized and your pantry will be filled with one ingredient products as, a fo- as opposed to 50 ingredient products. And, um, you know, and, and when you become organized, this, this is an easy step it, and it's an easy thing to do. And when you see the changes in your family's health and your own health, then it just propels you to do more and more and to tell more people. There's so much that we've spoken about in today's interview, Cindy, and <laughs> and I've learned so much and I know our listeners have learned so much. Is there anything that we've uh, not spoken about that you think is important for our listeners to know? No, I think you, you've covered, the questions have been brilliant, Dr. Carey. Thank you. And Oh, well, thank you, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> and we've covered most, a lot of the documentary and then we've also given some hope and, and where do we go? And one of the things that um, I'm do, I've done is that I've created a, the Functional Nutrition Academy, which is an education program that teaches people uh, about the fundamentals. But it not only teaches them about the fundamentals, but it gives them the ability to teach other people. And so they become advocates in their community, advocates of where do I buy this food that you're talking about, Cindy? Where do I get my meat? How can I clean out my pantry? Who can help me do this? Because often we need coaches. 
And, and that's what um, people who finish my the Functional Nutrition Academy become. They become coaches in their community. They become resources for people to make changes. And, and I'm sure in your community, Dr. Carey, that you're a resource for this. And so I have many professionals that do the course as well that um, learned how to become a resource to help people make these change. And and as I say in the, at the end of the documentary, I'm hoping to create a tsunami of change that will change the health of the people that are living now and our future generations. A tsunami of change. I love that. Thank you. So, Cindy, where can our listeners find your documentary, What's With Wheat? Well, what's really exciting is Netflix have picked up What's With Wheat. So if they do have Netflix, they can um, go and watch it on on that. It's under the documentaries. Uh, If you don't have Netflix, then there are about 10 other um, places on the net that you can get it. Um, I think iTunes have it, Amazon has it. So there's, there's many places that you can get it. If you can't get it anywhere like that, you just go to my web site, which is whatswithwheat.com and that will give you um, you can download the documentary and watch it there and, and that's that is at a price um, and I believe it's about seven dollars Australian so uh, in US currency it's about four dollars so you can download it and watch it there I guarantee you will love the documentary Cindy how can our listeners find out more about the different programs you offer and what is your website and give us all of those details. Yeah definitely so um, my main website is changinghabits.com.au and the .au is for Australia Uh, so it's really important to put that one on there. You can also go to fn.academy and F stands for functional, N stands for nutrition, so functionalnutrition.academy, fn.academy. So if they want to learn about that, Facebook is changing habits, Instagram is changing underscore habits. So lots of places that people can can go and they've, they've just created a new website for me and that's cindyomira.com. So if you want um, to see where all of those places are, you can actually go to cindyomira.com. Um, and find that information as well. And would you say that your Functional Nutrition Academy really is for anybody? Like, you don't have to be a nutritionist or a doctor to start into that. You could just be, you you can be, uh, you know, a mom, a dad, wanting to change your own diet, wanting to change your family's diet. Most definitely. It is a 12-month course, uh, and um, I have lots of people that haven't even done a degree do it, and uh, they become amazing advocates for change. And not only their families change, but their communities change. So, yes, it's, it's, it's for everybody. And we do further reading for our doctors and our chiropractors and our, our dietitians that, that want to go ahead and do it. Um, and it is certified by a, um, a worldwide body. Fantastic. Cindy, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Thank you, Dr. Carey. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Cindy O'Meara. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. 
Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.